Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and joining me today is Mr. Larry Sharp, running for governor in the great state of New York and host of The Sharp Way. Larry, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. The state is not as great as it could be, but it is a great state. Just it could be better. How about that? It could be better. Still trying to give it some credit. You know, there's probably some really great parts and I'm sure there's still a lot of really great people there. Although a lot of people have been moving out of the state. So maybe let me cover both of those pieces immediately. Number one, New York state is an absolutely awesome state. Anything you would imagine in New York is here. Uh, We have uh, mountains, we have beaches, we have the biggest city in the country. We have Broadway, we have the Yankees, we have the Buffalo Bills, we have hunting, we have lakes, we have falls, we have everything you could possibly imagine. We're awesome. The problem is our government is so oppressive that it literally breaks up families. And as it starts breaking up families, as you say, we lose people. New York State has lost over 2 million people in the last 10 years. That's more than most states. I mean, we are losing people like this no tomorrow. And to your point, the people who are leaving tend to be people who will be voting against the current governor. So the, the joke I always use, which is not really a joke, if you go back just like, I don't know, six, seven years, Florida used to be a swing state. It's not anymore. It's a red state. Why? Because New York and California have exported all Republicans over there. And so what's the, so you said over 2 million in the last 10 years. Yes. And I yep. also saw, was it 300,000 uh, during the pandemic, 2020, 2021, I believe? Yeah, uh, it's actually a half a million. Because, but um, Wow. The problem is they're, they're not saying half million because many of them still reside officially in New York, but they're not coming back. Well, you know, I they saw, haven't changed their they haven't changed their address officially yet. I saw the 300,000 number and I was looking up and I just wanted to make the point on 300,000 that that's like the city of Buffalo picking up and leaving during the year. I hope people in New York realize that that's like the whole city leaving. And then when you take it up to two million over the last 10 years, do they realize why people are leaving? You think, or they just have no clue. Who's the they? The whoever is creating <laughs> right. these these god awful policies. Do they realize why people are leaving? Then do you think the yes. voters know why people are leaving? Yes. Two issues on this, right? There is the the elites who run the state. New York State is actually a one party state. Uh, we don't actually have to. I mean, we have a, a Republican Party in theory, um, but in practice, we don't have a Republican Party. Uh, but we do have a, a large Democratic Party and. As the people are leaving, the people who are leaving are those who aren't happy with the current structure. So all as the people leave, it reinforces the power structure, right? Right now in New York State, we're about three to one Democrat, Republican, give or take. New York City, six to one. So as as the as they leave, they go, well, we don't care. Let them leave. It doesn't matter. The other issue we have is we have a system that has gone so long, there's no, almost no way of changing it without radical change, right? Because it's been dug in so long. The idea of patronage and cronyism is deeply set inside New York State. And to get rid of that's very hard. So it's difficult to to make the changes and to get elected. Our system is set up to where only the elites and the establishment can actually even run for office and make change. And the Cuomo, who was our former governor, who I'm absolutely not a fan of, was still smart. I want to give credit where credit was due. The guy's brilliant. He set up a system to where he's always in control. Now, while there's a horribleness to that, obviously, he's basically creating an an authoritative system. And he does it in a great way why other people go to jail and not him. And for those those of you who are watching, 
Well, Michael, wait a minute. Don't corrupt people go to jail in, in New York? Yes, but not the leaders. Because <laughs> how we work it is, what happens in New York all the time is there's a problem, right? Uh, oh, my God, too many people have yellow walls. And we got to make sure that we don't have too many yellow walls. It's a problem. Well, you might think that Congress or Assembly or Senate would decide, let's pass a law. No, because then someone's responsible. So we don't do that. We say, we're going to make a commission on yellow walls. And we make the yellow wall commission. And we have five people on the commission. One of them is, is, is picked by the assembly so that that assembly leader can reward their people, which makes them now uh, beholden to the governor. And then one by the Senate, which that leader can now reward their person and be beholden to the governor. And then the governor picks three people. So then the governor picks his three people. They're always the majority. The governor runs it, decides what's happening with absolutely no, with, with absolutely no uh, recourse. Because how it works in New York State is if that commission creates a rule and the assembly doesn't vote it down, and I think it's 60 days or 90 days, whatever it is, it basically becomes a law that no one's responsible for. Mm. This is a system that has worked in New York State for decades. Well, you're right. That is that is brilliant and terrible mm. at the same time. But it, but it's, Correct. it's very smart. If you want to be an authoritarian, it's uh, it's very smart. Yeah, absolutely. So, I guess yes. credit where credit's due. Uh, 100%. So I heard you talking uh, lately about, uh, you know, family leaving New York and, and yes. families being pushed out of New York. And what I wonder, what I always wonder is what is it that keeps you there when everyone else is leaving? Why do you choose to stay? Anger. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. What, what's, what's the thing that Hulk said? The, his secret is he's always angry. Is that the, <laughs> the, yes, that's my secret. No, the, but my, my story is I was actually going to leave in 2017. I was, I was done. I was like, I'm, I'm out also. And I went to, for what I do for a living, I'm a business consultant. I have to have large cities, right, for me to make any money. So I thought, you know what? Let me try to go to Charlotte. Charlotte's a very large city in the South. I'll go to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I went to look around. And what I found was it was great. I could sell my shoebox of a home in Queens, buy a mansion in North Carolina. And wow, it's great. But instead of me moving, I got angry. I thought, why does my government suck? Why in the world do I have to leave where I'm born, my friends, my business, my family, an amazing state? Because my government sucks. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to head back. I'm going to run for government in 2018, and I'm going to win and fix things. That did not go as planned. Um, so <laughs> after I lost that, I actually, during that campaign, I learned why it was so bad. Like prior to that, I knew it was bad, but I didn't understand why. As I began to understand why, I actually got angrier. So now I'm here. I'm basically the only guy who is an outsider who understands why it's bad. So I feel like when I'm talking to executives and trying to get them through tough times, and even sometimes individuals, I will often ask a question. Okay, if not you, then who? And if they can give me somebody, oh, great, let's get that person. Let's make that happen. Let's move that thing forward. If they can't, they go, nah, it's me or nobody. Okay, then it's you, right? I looked at myself and said, if not me, who? And I realized there wasn't anybody else. And you might go, Larry, are you, you have some hubris here. <laughs> no, it isn't me. It's the system they set up. For those, again, who, who don't know, when I ran in 2018, I got party status for the Libertarian Party in 2018. In 2019, I crossed the state to, to support local candidates and growing. We had 107 victories in New York State. There were 107 Libertarians in New York State in 2019. 2020, the state came in and said, oh, yeah, no. Epic prank, bro. Just kidding. And got rid of all everything. And with the, within a budget, because we don't pass laws in New York State, we pass um, commissions and we pass budgets. 
We don't pass laws. Mm. So in the budget, they wrote out basically Larry Sharp, go to hell. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> those exact words, but that's what it meant. And we lost party status and we are no longer a party more. And they took the rules to make this happen and they adjust them completely. I used to have to get 15,000 signatures over the course of many weeks. Now I have to get 45,000 in five weeks. Wow. Now that means I'll have to get 70,000 because Democrats, Republicans will go out of their way to literally send people into the board of elections and check every signature to get rid of them. So I've got to get 70,000 signatures in 35 days. That's an average of 2000 signatures per day. Who can do that besides someone like me who literally can take a year off from work, can raise six figures, already has 200 volunteers, and has name recognition to where I'm already polling at 6% uh, before I even announced. There's no one else in the state who isn't already a politician who can do that. So, yes, it is only me, but it's not because of me. It's because of the state. I didn't realize that the ballot access was that big of an issue in New York. I mean, we've got terrible rules here in Tennessee. You've got to get 56,000 signatures uh, to be on the ballot here in Tennessee as a as a third party. That's a even I would say even tougher here because we don't have the massive population center uh, right. to be able to to go around there in, in New York City. So we've been dealing with that and got really close here recently, thanks to some great organizations that have been doing some some great work. Um, now, one thing. I've got to get your opinion on, you know, people are leaving. And what I yep. wonder is the people who are leaving, would New York be interested in signing some type of a 30 year deal to make sure that they stay there for 30 years like they would the Buffalo Bills? Yeah. Um, only <laughs> if they are millionaires and billionaires trying okay. to make money. OK, that's the only thing. Yes. So what New York State just did for those of you who might not get that joke is New York State just signed a deal for the Buffalo Bills to stay in New York State. And that deal is going to rebuild their stadium. It's a $1.6 billion deal. Out of that, half the state will pay. Yay. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> we get to pay. So um, the average New Yorker across the state will spend about $35 because it's $600, billion, 600 million, uh, across the state, $250 million in that county. So $850 million total, $600 across the state, 250 in the county. We will write them checks. So the average, the average New Yorker who is struggling to survive, who is just waiting for their kid to graduate or their elderly parent to pass before they pack up and leave or they retire so they get their pension and spend it in Tennessee or spend it in Florida or some other state that doesn't have income tax so that they can go there and spend it there. That person has to write a check for $35 to make sure that millionaires, the players, and billionaires, the owners, make more money. Whoa. And the worst part is most of those players and most of those owners don't even live in New York State. Uh, it's a, you know, we've talked a lot about what people call corporate welfare a lot on this podcast, and we've kind yes. of taken a different approach to it than some other libertarians have, because when I see people getting out of taxes, yep. I can't get myself to argue that they should pay taxes because I don't like it when people pay taxes. So I consider this a prison that people have made it out of. My goal is not to bring them back into the prison. I can't do it. But when people are actually cutting checks to others out of money that has been taken from other people, I see that as an entirely different situation. And But there I'm are two problems here, man. There's two big problems. Problem number one is the reason why they're doing it. It's not like they look, the bills themselves are worth 2.2, 2.5 billion dollars. The NFL is worth billions. The individual owners are billionaires. They could finance this. They could. Mm -hmm. This could be financed. How do I know that? 
They financed MetLife Stadium in Jersey across the across the river. It can be that was a 1.2 or some whatever that was. It can be financed. The government doesn't want them to finance it because the government wants to have the 850 million dollars to give out jobs. This is patronage and cronyism. Why in the world would some governor say, I did a great deal by giving away $800 million? Because she is then going to say, look at the jobs I created. I, I'm giving jobs to big businesses to, 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 be, to have this patronism cronyism. That's problem number one. But there's a second piece of this on top of this, of the whole thing. I'm with you on what you just said. But now when someone who's a socialist says, why can't you pay for my loans? Why can't you pay for my college? And we go, that's not a good idea. But you gave the Buffalo Bills $850 million. We go, yeah, you're right. That's my biggest issue. Mm-hmm. How They're not wrong, right? As long as we're doing corporate welfare, if we're writing the checks for $800 million to the Buffalo Bills, they're right. Why not pay for their college or their rent or their bill, whatever? Why not pay off the credit cards? Well, if you're going to give these people money, why not give them money? They the, do this the under the guise. So tough. They do this under the guise that they're gonna. It's a good investment. They're gonna be able to make money for the taxpayers over time. What I wonder if it was such a good investment, then the people with all the money would be making the investment. If it were just this obvious, amazing investment, then why not go finance it? Why not go find some other investors and want to put in the money? Uh, that maybe it's not as good of an investment as people think it is. I saw an article uh, from the let's see, Brooklyn Eagle is what it was from. And they said New Yorkers could become owners of Buffalo Bills under new bill. And they were talking about this bill that if they decided to leave, then the state would have the option to buy 50% of the team. And I just got to thinking, does that mean New Yorkers are going to be owners of the team? Or does that mean that the state is going to be owners of the team? And that it just got me thinking about this this weird situation where you 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 don't really actually own the thing. The state correct. owns the thing. It's not like you're going to be getting a check from them or you can cash it out whenever you want to cash in your ownership. That's not real ownership. Correct. Yes. The closest thing they have right now is I'm not, if not mistaken, the Packers mm-hmm. are owned by Green Bay. If, if I think that I think that's correct. Yep. So one 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 team is kind of owned by the people, but not really. But yeah, that's not a I, that's not a good thing. I don't want the state buying football teams. That's not a that's not a positive thing. Yeah. I guess they're like, well, we'll get them. But next thing is, what happens when the football team sues the state and says no? You think the state's going to win that? Yeah. Of course not. Why? Because the owners give money to politicians and lobbyists and write the laws. The state can go to court if it wants to, even if that's true. And people think, well, there's a contract. People who don't do actual contract work or don't work in business don't understand contracts don't mean anything. What contracts mean is when someone doesn't do what they say, you have a chance of suing them. It doesn't make them do the thing, right? Just because it's a contract. They don't just do the thing because it's a contract, right? So if you work in business, you understand this. So let's say that's true. And the Buffalo Bills decide two years from now, we're packing up and leaving. And New York State goes, well, now we own you. No, you don't. See you in court. Yeah. Done. And, and, and then five years later, New York will surrender. So and, done deal. And, and all of that, you know, the bills are probably going to stay in Buffalo. I know that teams move sometimes. I know that happens. But of course, they're going to present the idea that the bills were just going to pack up and run. And if the state wouldn't have come in and done this, then they then they wouldn't be there anymore. And you wouldn't have There's them, a so. buffalo on the helmet. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? There's a yeah. physical buffalo on the helmet. You're not moving. Stop. <laughs> and so that's they present this uh, like this crisis. Basically, oh, they're going right. to leave. We have to stop this. So we're going to bring this in. And then, by the way, if they have 
have to buy 50% of the team that are going to take the money from the people in the state again to buy a 50%. Yes. So that's still going to happen. And then the jobs that they're creating, right? Those are going to, there's already jobs. There's a stadium there right now. There, it's already there. There's already people going there. There's businesses around that. There's hotels, everything. Their jobs are already there. So you're talking about temporary construction jobs? Correct. That's, that's it? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Which they will hand out to their friends. That's my point. Right? Which they would the, have had otherwise if someone else were paying to build the stadium. <laughs> correct. Yes. That's, but they don't get to hand them out. Yeah. Right. That's the issue. Right. And this, I have to stress this. If Buffalo were to build it themselves, the Bills or the NFL was built themselves, they would do RFPs across the country. They would probably have an international company do it. They would do whatever it takes. And, but if, if, if the state does it, then the individuals get to hand out these to local people who are giving them money. Right. They get to reward their donors. Remember, in New York State, the largest lobby used to be finance. Now it's real estate. Those are the biggest lobbyist groups in New York State. So real, that's why we that's how we why, why we did our cannabis. That's why we legalized cannabis the way we did to make sure that large real estate companies and permanent capital can make money. Right. Remember, New York State's all about the, the wealthy making money and increasing black markets. Right. The, the wealthy and black markets, what New York State's all about. So they always do these things to make this happen. The Buffalo Bills is no different. Yeah, no I, I uh, so do you think this is a, to me, this is a great opportunity to be the person that's coming in here and talking about this, because I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to that are upset about this. I don't think as many people are going to fall for it as maybe what the what the governor thinks. I've seen a lot of people upset about it. And what I'm what I'm hoping is everything I'm heard, I've heard you say about this. I mean, I'm just glad that there's someone out there that's running that's going to be saying what a lot of pe- what's on a lot of people's minds about this. So I, I do think that this whole topic is a really big, is a really great opportunity at a, at a good time. Well, remember, Not- most people in New York State, though, have given up. That's the mm. sad part, right? They've given up. Um, I wish that wasn't true. I'm trying to get more people to, to care. It's one reason why I keep doing what I'm doing, right? Because you find some people who just aren't paying attention and they just hate Republicans, so they vote Democrat because they hate Republicans. So they keep running Democrat, they don't care what happens. And many Republicans go, I have no chance of winning in this state, so I'm just waiting until, as I said, my kid graduates, I, I retire, or my elderly parent passes, and I'm moving to Florida, Texas, or Tennessee, right? I'm out. out. I thought of going to Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. I'm guilty too. I thought the same yeah. thing. I was thinking Chattanooga for me. I was thinking that too, because Chattanooga is what, two hours from Nashville and yeah. two hours from Atlanta. Yep. So I'm like, it's right between two big cities, so I'm like, that's where I want to go. That's what I was thinking. So I, I get the fastest it. internet in the running. country, by the way, you know, there we go. So, yeah, so even <laughs> I was thinking these things. Right. So but a lot of people are giving up some in some places in upstate New York, one in five or one in six people vote. That's how bad it is. They're just surrendering. So for me to make impact, I've got to make sure I motivate people who don't vote. I get pissed off Republicans and pissed off Democrats. If that happens and if my governor makes a big mistake, I have a chance at winning this thing. Sadly, I don't choose what she makes. So I can just, all I can do is run a great campaign to the best of my ability, hope she screws up and I get advantage of it, which is like basically Jesse Ventura from the 90s, right? This actually happens about every 30 or 40 years where lightning strikes. I'm hoping I'm the lightning strike guy. It hits me. I'll be ready for it if it does. Because Democrats in New York State are not going to vote for Republican. So they have two, they have three choices if they get mad at Hochul. One, they stay home. Two, they hold their nose and vote for her anyway. Three, they vote for me. That's it. About 25% of the people who support me are registered Democrats, really? which is a big deal in my state. So if I get enough of those people, I get 30, 30, 
I win the damn thing. If I don't win the thing, I still win if I come in second. If I come in second, that changes the country because everyone's gonna be like, that guy beat the Republican in New York State. What? People start thinking, they listen to my, I'm now talking to millions of people every week, right? And all the things I say go everywhere. And not just that, the state has to pay attention to the liberty movement. Otherwise people can't survive. If I come in a tight third where I'm the spoiler, there's no spoiler, Republicans not gonna win. But the spoiler in theory, again, they have to pay attention to me. So the goal is to do well enough for people to pay attention and to run a good enough campaign that if lightning strikes, I win this thing. Well, you create competition and they'll have to pay attention to the competition. It's it's like a market, Correct. only it's a controlled market. So it's it's like the markets that we that we have all around the country, I guess. But it's still a pretty controlled market, but they'll still have to pay attention. And maybe they would even adjust some of their policies and they would still end up with a beneficial outcome uh, being not as bad as what it would have been because they realize, hey, people are paying attention to this guy. We're going to lose even more votes next time around. So we're going to have to we're really going to have to be careful here. But by the way, with them not being very careful on things when it comes to COVID, what's New York, at least what you know, what's New York City looking like right now? I know you're I know you're around there. Is it still shut down crazy or people get no out? it isn't as bad it is yeah. not people are starting to open up sadly we still have decided that we want to punish our school children which i don't know why that was the the thing um but we're still deciding to punish school children um i guess teachers are scared i don't i don't i don't i think administrators are scared i don't know who's scared anyway mm. somebody is in the government scared so we decided that because older people are scared we should punish the youth i guess that's how that works um mm. embarrassingly bad but yes that is our issue that's happening. But no, the city is beginning to open up. However, the damage is done. My, I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Many of the, if you're wealthy in New York City, you have multiple homes. You have a home in Manhattan and a home someplace else, whether that is, you know, North Carolina, Jersey Shore, Connecticut, upstate New York, Colorado, whatever. You've got a, at least another home someplace if you're wealthy. Those people, most of them are either in real estate or finance. Those are the two biggest things. Most of them, some are in tech, but not as much. Most of them are in, in finance or in real estate. So they've gone to these other homes and they've made money for two years because they've had to. They're entrepreneurial, they're business people, they found ways to make money and survive. Some of them are actually <clears throat> making more money. Why would you come back? Why would you come back to a crime-ridden, dirty city with a bad mayor when I can stay in Colorado, Florida, whatever, and still make money? They're not coming back. So Eric Adams, our mayor, is like, you have to come back. And they're like, no, you can't <laughs> force me, no. But I'm saying you should, I know. You know what would be nice? If there weren't murders every weekend on the subway, I mm. might consider coming back. But right now there's murders every weekend, murders with an S, every weekend on a subway. So you know what? No, I'm not coming back. And you might go, Larry, why do I care if wealthy people come back? Well, because wealthy people create jobs for other people. People are servicing them. Their bosses are there. Their juniors are there. They're, they're, everyone else is there. They're all leaving. New York City is probably below 8 million now, I would assume. And I think it will never get over 8 million again. That's my assumption. It'll never get over 8 million again. The subway system is, is badly broken. At our peak, we had about 4 million people per day using the subway system. Now it's about a million or so. So that's kidding. Our budget has gone from, and by the way, I called this officially. I said our budget will be about $220 billion dollars. It's exactly $220 billion. And I called this eight months ago because I knew how expensive everything was. Sadly, I know far too much about New York State. I know far too much. <laughs> so I could actually guess the budget 
eight months out. That's how bad it was. And I'm on record. I said it, it, it is in video. I said 220. It is literally as of yesterday, 220. So yes, um, so $220 billion from when I first read it was $180 billion. So we've lost about half a million people since then. And we've gained $40 billion in budget. And to be clear, for people who don't get this, Florida has more people than us, half our budget, and no state income tax. Wow. We're doing something wrong. Yeah, and I doubt that with that $40 billion increase in less population, I doubt the lives of all the people still remaining in New York got that much better. No, they've demonstrably gotten worse. Yeah. Yes. So that I, I wonder if they realize also this whole, you know, with, with big cities, and we're seeing this a little bit in downtown Nashville, we're, you know, much, much smaller place, but people are working from home now. And so yes. the, the real estate there in the town, like, why would you go get an office right there in the middle of town when all your workers are going to work from home? Why would you live right there in that city? You don't work in that city anymore. You work from home. So let's Absolutely. get something uh, outside uh, which has been crazy for home values. I guess I'll take a few more of your New York people so they can raise the price of my house up a little bit more before I can sell it. So I've, I've the issue is that. whether you own or rent. Yeah. If you rent, you do not like New Yorkers coming in. <laughs> if you own, you're like, bring them in. Go yeah. on and bring them in. Do you rent or you own? That's the issue, right? You own. You More New Yorkers, come on in. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Until because I'm ready to buy a new homes, one. Then oh I want God. them all to leave immediately. Just right, <laughs> right in between that yes. time. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Well, all depends on what you rent or own. So speaking on that, you know, people, people want to know uh, someone who's running for governor or mayor or any kind of political office. They want to know how their life is going to get better. You know, that's what they really care about. Like, what are the things, how they're going to get better? So what are some of the things you'd be able to do, say, in the immediate term if you're elected, and then some better things for long-term solutions as well that yep. people can think about? I, I wish you were correct, but sadly you are not. What do I mean by that? Our current environment, the way it works now, we don't want things to be better. Winning is hurting the other. Mm. That's where we are now. So I don't care if my life gets better. I just care if I own the lib or beat up the Trumpster or whatever it is. Right? If I'm on the left, I want to beat the Trumpster up. If I'm on the right, I want to own the lib, right? Whatever that is. That's what I want to do. And if I do that, I win. Winning now is not me winning. Winning is me hurting the other. And that's been true for years and stronger now than ever. So people actually are not looking uh, to make your life better. They're looking to hurt the other. Um, and that's not a good thing. That is a horrible thing we have in our country. It's, it's literally destroying our country, breaking up our communities, breaking up our families. So I'm trying to get people to do what you said. I'm trying to get people to actually see hope. The reason why they don't think it can get better or aren't caring about it is they don't believe it can get better. They've just watched everything collapse, right, forever. It's just not working. So I'm trying to make things better. So the first thing is I have a very big deal I want to put forward. It's a, I have tons of policy. Anyone who cares, go to LarryShop.com. Policies all over the place. That's all I have is policies. And I would argue if there's anyone running Democrat, Republican, please go to their websites and see if they have any policies. They don't. Hmm. Because that was my point. They don't have to have policies. They're not trying to make anything better. They're trying to own the lib or destroy the Trumpster. That's it. They don't care about policies. I actually have policies. So one of them is a big policy, and that is I want to create what I call the NIST, the NYSST, New York State Social Trust. The NIST is a trust that will be run by a private company, not the government, similar to what Singapore does and what Norway does, creating their own fund. 
And the trust will be a way of getting permanent capital and, um, and private capital to invest in New York State. And they invest without debt, but it's a dividend-based product, probably based upon a coin or a share or something like that. They'll get dividends every year based upon tax revenue raised by New York State. What does that mean? No more debt for the state because they never get it paid back. This is just they agree to get it and they get dividends. So no debt for New York State. Second, it's run by a private company. So the New York State can't just take the money and go, well, let's just put it towards this stupid project that we have. That wouldn't be against the law, cannot be done. Private company with a separate charter. So it ends that. That, that we should be able to raise about $900 billion within three years. As you raise that kind of money, the first thing it pays for is education. You might go, why pay for education? There's several reasons why. Number one, New York State's education system is completely broken. Everyone knows it. We drop $28,000 per kid, the most in the entire country, and we always rank in the bottom 50, the bottom 25, always. So we pay a lot. And you might go, but Larry, that's impossible. New York State has made it in the Constitution to pay for it. Correct. And it's a great example of when you create a right. So you make education a right. Making something a right doesn't make it magically good. It just makes it magically expensive. And that's what it did. The education still sucks. In fact, it's worse. I'm happy to say New York State's, I'm, I'm happy, I'm open to say it, I should say. Most people won't say this, I will. New York State's education is a steaming pile of garbage. This is a disaster. It's embarrassing. We should be ashamed, but we're not. We just keep going, everybody's wonderful. Give it more money. That's a terrible idea. So we give it tons of money. It fails us miserably. Rochester School District is some of the worst in the entire nation. Last time I checked, if you were a black male in Rochester, the odds of you graduating high school as, as you're a kid, as you graduate high school, we're less than 15%. That's oh. how bad it is. It, that may have changed recently. Last time, about a year or two ago, I checked. That's what it was. It was the worst in the country. So that's where we are. So I'm saying we're going to pay directly. Why? We're going to take our uh, money from, from the NIST, pay directly per student to each district. What does that mean? The money follows the kid. Not just that. A $4,000 credit if you want to go to private school or homeschool. Here's what I'm sure of. A bunch of private schools will open up. And they will cost $4,000 a year. How do I know that? Because it's guaranteed government money. And one thing businesses and banks love more than anything is guaranteed government money. That is their favorite thing of all the things. That's what they <laughs> I'll love. just throw in one. I'll throw in one idea there. If you do the $4,000 credit, I think they'll cost $4,500. Oh, yes, maybe. Yes. Some of them will cost. Yes. You yes, know. that's true. Because you'll yes. pay the 500 you know. Correct. Yes. So maybe that, yes. So they'll cost forty-four ninety-five. Is yeah. what they'll cost. So yes. So anyway, the point being, now I have uh, now I'm I'm providing a better option for education in general. However, I'm also just going to give eighteen thousand dollars, cutting off a big chunk. So I'm going to save money on that. Also, why does that also matter? Number one, now if I'm paying directly from the school from from the NIST, there's no need for school tax. If there's no need for school tax, what happens? Well, your property tax in New York State goes down by about fifty percent. 50% dropping uh, immediately uh, stabilizes rents for the youth so they can stay here, stabilizes retirees so they can stay here and spend their money here in New York, not in Tennessee or in Florida. And of course, that happening in general means housing becomes more valuable. People can actually buy and stay in their houses, right? Keeping families together. Add on top of that something direct. Now, that's going to be at least a year before we make that happen. But directly off the bat, if you're in New York State and you are 65 years or older and you have owned your home for 15 years, owned a home, not necessarily that one, any home, for 15 years or more in New York State, as soon as you're 65, your property tax goes down 5% and keeps going down 5% every year to 85 and then at zero. Why? Because I want you to stay in the state and I want you to stay in your home and 
I want you to stay with your family. So on top of that, if you don't own the home and you instead move in with your son, daughter, niece, nephew, whatever you, you move in with, um, they get half of that. They get two and a half percent every year as long as you're living in the home. So what does that do? Encourage people to stay home. Yeah, go, Larry, but you're losing money because of the income tax. All right. Because oh, of the, the tax. Here's the reason why I'm not losing money. Because New York State also pays for Medicare, Medicaid, which is what pays for all the nursing homes. So as more people are not in nursing homes, we're not paying for that. Not just that. As seniors aren't leaving, they're staying here. As when their pensions in New York State, that will generate revenue. So we're not losing any money. Right. The money's the same either way, but now it's in a better spot. Families stay together. We're not paying for people in, in, in nursing homes. And we have more of an economy moving, booming here in New York State. So we don't lose that. You say, well, Larry, you're losing money from when you uh, give your money to your, your teachers and such. I'm not because the money that goes to the school districts are no strings attached. So that means there's no need for strings attached for the state or the federal, which means we can fire. I won't have to, but the districts will fire tons of administrators. We have about 8,000 administrators across New York State. All of them make six figures. Some of them make two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year. Most of these administrators never even see kids. Most of them are because they're they're paper pushers for state and or federal regulations. Once those go away, they're fired. We save lots of money. We can pay our teachers more, buy more stuff, do whatever we can, whatever the case may be. In addition, if there's no strings attached, the current system is if you don't spend the money, you lose it for next year. So we're encouraging school districts to be corrupt, so they're corrupt. So if we don't encourage them to be corrupt, they'll be less corrupt. They'll still be corrupt, but they'll be less corrupt. So that's the yeah. difference. So I think that's something we can do right away. Yeah, I wanted to, uh, so on this, on the NIST, I might've missed the part about the initial investment. How does the initial pool of money- 80 million, $80 million of taxpayer dollars exceeds it. Okay. okay. Yes, that's about how much we make every year in uh, revenue. New York State makes about $80 billion every year in direct tax revenue. Okay. So we take that. That's what funds it off the bat. Gotcha. Yeah. That's the, that's the piece I was missing. All I was yep. like, okay, how does this start? How does this start being funded? Uh, yep. So that was the first thing. Um, and so this really does help. I mean, that that's like a system for fixing all kinds of problems that everyone's having right now, changing people's lives. Actually. Well, that's how the, the, people don't realize two parts. Number one, this makes the left happy because the, the wealthy are paying. The wealthy are paying. The thing people don't realize is when you do something for New York State like this, it's not taxable. It's a tax haven because it's, it's state funded things. Right. So now private capital and permanent capital has a tax haven and guaranteed income, which is what they want. So wealthy people will be paying for your schools. It's what you want. Right. You want to tax the rich. You're the left. Right. I got you. I'll get the rich to pay voluntarily. They will pay. So now you're getting what you want. Now, the, 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 the right goes, I don't want more taxes. No taxes. So I'm lowering taxes, no extra taxes, and I'm getting the wealthy to pay. The left and the right are both happy, and we get better education. Teachers are happy. Kids are happy. Win, win, win. What I what I worry about with the left is that it 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 really has more to do with they they want to take whatever amount of money that they decide they want to take from people who are rich because of the the envious side or whatever the the side it is that they just really hate wealth creators. Some people, not not everyone. I think some people just really want to do some good things. I think I think some people hate seeing someone that that has a ton of wealth, and yep. that's you know that that's sad. But I don't again, know how we're I'm not that. gonna get I'm. No matter what I do here, even in my best case scenario, I'm not going to get 51% of the vote. <laughs> right? Yeah. All I need is 35% of the people who vote. 
if that makes any sense. Yeah. So there's 18 million New Yorkers, give or take. I only need about 1.5 million to vote for me. So I need less than 10% of New Yorkers to vote for me. So those people who are envious aren't going to vote for me. They probably aren't even going to vote. Fine. I don't care. Just give me 1.5 million New Yorkers, 2 million New Yorkers to be safe to vote for me. I'm good. That's all yeah. I require. So about 10% of New Yorkers vote for me. Life is good. So I'm, you're right. Lots of people, uh, school administrators are not going to vote for me. <laughs> I get it. They're not going to vote for me. I'm a lot of them are going to get fired. If I, if I'm elected, I got it. I don't need them to people say all the time. How are you going to get the unions? I'm not. And that's okay. That's it's the fine. next thing I was going to ask was what about yes. the police union? Are the police going to be in favor of any of the, the policies that you have? Yes. The, the, I actually have a policies. I think defunding the police is a terrible idea. It's not a good idea and it's bad marketing. And Oh my God, it's terrible. I'm about re re reforming. And my concept is I put it together. I have a plan for this also. It's called the FACS program. F-A-Q-S. F is uh, family uh, law. A is active policing. Q is quality of life. And S is social work. And you create this framework to adjust and shift your police force locally. If you are happy with your police force, why would I force you to fix it? If you're happy, I don't want police to be any specific way. I want people to be happy with their policing. That's what I want. If you're unhappy with your police force, you should reform it. If you're happy with it, you shouldn't. Here's a framework to work on that will help you move and shift and adjust. So it gives you something to work with. And the reason why I bring it up is being a Marine, right? You don't keep Marine in the front lines forever. You don't do that. In fact, the, the longest Marines will ever be in the front line is 15 months. And that's a lot. That's like the max. Usually it's less than a year. But the most they'll ever go is 15 months. Then you pull them off. We keep our cops in the front line for decades sometimes. What is wrong with us? They're just human beings. Cops aren't bad or good. They're just people, just like us. Why would I put a cop? So you make a rule to where, again, depending upon your local area, they spend X amount of time in active policing, which is now financed a certain way, which is now equipped a certain way. And then they go off to something else. They go to family law for a year or two. They go to quality of life for a year or two, social work for a year or two, getting them off the front line. You do that, you'll have better cops. Well, Larry, why don't this volunteer? Because cops are trying to be cool like military guys. No military guy wants to get off the front line. I'm hardcore. I'm hardcore. No, you're human. See, the cops aren't going to volunteer to come off the front line. That's where they, they want to be there, right? So you got to give them a rule. And again, locally rule with their own police force. Hey, you do three years on the front line, you're off for a year or whatever the rule is. I don't decide what that rule is. I'm the governor. How would I know what your local police force needs to be doing? So you decide locally, is it one year? Is it five years? Do they have to go to one or the other? How long do they stay there? But it provides a framework for actual police reform. And each one of those pieces, family law, active policing, quality of life, social work, has a civilian community component to it to support the police force, to keep the police connected. In family law, we add chaplains, right? Local chaplains actually join the cops in a family law car. So I don't want a cop who just comes from a terrible event now have to deal with a, a wife and husband yelling at each other. That's not going to go well, <laughs> right? But I do want to make sure that cop is there in case typically, right, a male is angry and prepared to hurt the female, right? So I want a guy who's got the gun, who's got the stick in case he's got to put a guy down, but I want to initiate family law with a chaplain to try to calm people down before stuff has to go there. Right. So I do want both there. I don't want two aggressive cops there. That's not going to end well. Cops are human beings. So put them in that spot. But not, not just that. If I have that cop in the family law with the chaplain, 
Maybe that cop saw some stuff in the act of policing that he might want to chat the chaplain about. Mm-hmm. Social work, same thing. I have social workers supported by colleges and, and, and universities because why? There's a bunch of people studying social work in these colleges. Let's give them on the ground training, right? You think social work's easy? Deal with this guy who's an addict who's trying to spit on you to give you AIDS. Deal with the guy who's in, uh, who is mentally ill, who's yelling about, you know, how the aliens are coming to get him. Deal with that. Learn what it's about and know if you want to be there or not and understand the realities of your job. Um, we'll have better social workers and we'll have better cops. So we'll support everybody, right? And when it comes to quality of life, local community civic activities like Elks Club, uh, Knights of Columbus, uh, you know, uh, v- Veterans of Foreign Wars, that gets our civic duty back in together. They become the dispatchers. So you're not calling 911 because the guy's music is too loud, right? You're calling the local VFW because the music is too loud. Right. So now that becomes that that's different. And now local communities might know the guy whose music is too loud and they don't have to call a cop. They go, dude, Johnny, turn your music down. You're being a jerk. And they can calm that down. And of course, things like that change within the area in urban areas. Quality of life is a big deal in rural areas. Not so much. Yeah, I am. Um, so I also, you know, wanted to know about decreasing overall interactions between people. You know, that's something that we, you know, right. here in Tennessee, uh, everything's still illegal and it's not like I, you know, us as a podcast, we want to push people to do any, any stuff like that. But I do believe that you should be able to make your own choices as long as you're not hurting other people. And so I think decreasing the amount of police interactions, because what I found a lot is that police are uh, interacting with people trying to find things so they can get this bust, you know, maybe they can find some weed, they can find something like that. What if we just cut out all of those interactions that had to do with two ways we do that way. Number one, Possession is not a crime. That's it. That's number one. Possession is not a crime. If you rob someone to get your drug, that's crime. You knock someone over the head to get your drugs, that's crime, right? You break into somebody's house to get your drugs, that's crime. But to have your drugs, physically having it, not a crime. Once you say that and you let and you let uh, them know this, they'll stop. How do I know that? We had terrible bail reform losses in New York and DAs resigned, right? Now, if that, that's a wrong reason to resign. However, if you're resigning because you want possession to be a crime, good, resign, hmm. right? Possession is not a crime. It should not be a crime, is never a crime. It's stupid to be a crime. I don't care the amount. Possession is not a crime. Yeah, That's what it should be. And if you want to resign because of that, good. That's not a crime, number one. Number two, cap the amount of money that anyone can actually use for civil asset forfeiture. Right. So and by the way, for any fines and fees, period, any fines and fees, period, you can't be financing your police force with uh, off the backs of your local population. I don't want police force as a profit center. I want law enforcement as law enforcement, not as a profit center. So you cap the amount, whatever that is, depending on the area. So say you say, you know, from all sources of funds and fees, the local group can only get a thousand bucks. So now the cop doesn't have, there's no quota. There's no, there's no official quota, but there's a quota. So even the unofficial quota goes away because I can only get a thousand bucks. So now what happens? A cop is giving me a ticket because the cop believes that someone is going to be hurt. There's a problem. The person deserves it for some reason. Great. That's a good reason for a cop to give a ticket. Not because man, I've only done 10 tickets this month. I better do 30, right? That's the reason. And not just that civil asset forfeiture. The bus doesn't matter if I can't sell the stuff and buy the police station a new TV, right? If I can't yeah. buy the new TV, 
For the police station, I don't care about the bust. So you make possession not a crime and cap civil asset forfeiture, you're done. Would I want to get rid of civil asset forfeiture? Of course I do, but I can't do that as governor. Yeah, and you got to, I mean, this is an incentive structure. You remove that incentive structure and people are going to, they're just going to behave differently. Like you said, hopefully they would just be more concerned with keeping people safe. And that would be the main goal. Not that that's not the main goal of, you know, people who are police officers, but there's definitely a financial incentive. Not the police officer. I'm I'm clear. I'm not anti-cop. I'm anti-system. I don't hate the player. I hate the game. Cops are people. If you put them in an environment to where they should act poorly, they will act poorly. If you put them in a situation where they'll act better, they'll act better. So I, if you see, I'm all about changing the environment, mm-hmm. right? I'm about persuasion, not coercion. You change the environment, you change the game, you get better players, better outcomes. Whether I was just going through, a, I think I just posted this Milton Friedman quote last night, and he basically said that you couldn't plan on getting the uh, the right people uh, to do the right thing, you had to plan on uh, creating the structure where the wrong people uh, would do the right thing, basically. Yes. So, yes. That, you know, he was a, I'm sure I completely butchered it, even though I no. just posted it last night. But anyway, you get the idea. It's all about incentives. We talk about incentives all the time. People react to But it's to also that. environment, right? Mm-hmm. People don't just do things for, f- when you say incentives, you're right, but I'll make sure we clarify this. Most people, when they hear incentives, think money. Mm-hmm. It isn't just money. Right. We do things because of, you know, popularity, feeling good among our peer group, warm and fuzzy in ourselves. There's lots of reasons why people do things, including money, obviously. And also sometimes to avoid pain or to avoid shame or to avoid something. The better your environment encompasses all of those things, the better chance, one, people won't do the bad thing. But second, the people who will do the bad thing anyway won't do it there. They do it someplace else. Because that area is just not you know, conducive for them to do the bad thing. So they'll leave and go do it someplace else. And more importantly, there are going to be people who do bad things. That isn't the end of the world for humanity or even for a community. That's not the issue. The issue is when that bad person convinces others to join them. Right? That's when things get bad. When the bad person convinces others. Right? <laughs> Hitler's not a bad guy if he's just a bad artist in Austria. Hmm. Right? who happens to, to be a Nazi in Austria p- painting bad paintings and yelling about how Germans aren't cool enough or whatever. He's just some jerk in Austria. He has to get millions of people to follow him for him to be the monster that he is, right? But if it's just some guy who's mad in Austria being an artist, eh, whatever, some bad dude. It's fine. Yeah. We move on. But that's the issue. You well, change yeah. the environment, those guys don't thrive. He has to have power. You know, there's some Correct. bad guy named Hitler. Like, okay, who cares? I, it's like I remember someone saying about uh, about Trump beforehand. Like, Trump's, uh, you know, 70-something before he becomes president. People weren't screaming about how terrible Trump yep. was before that. Like, okay, he's this guy from TV. It's the power that he had. Correct. That, that was the problem, mixing that yes. with the power. So we got to talk about that whole structure. Well, Larry, I really... Uh, Really appreciate this time today. And uh, anytime you want to come on, uh, of course, uh, it's always a great conversation. This is our second time now and hopefully a lot more in the future. I want all of our New York listeners up there to find ways that you can do whatever you can. And, and where can they go to to find out how they can help? LarrySharp.com, for those of you who care. Um, if the biggest thing we have coming up here now is from April 19th to May 24th, 31st, officially, but we're trying to do it early, is petitioning. 
If you want to come to my state and help, come on in. I could use you if you're like, look, Larry, I'm not a New York State voter. Doesn't matter. Come to my state. You can hand out things, show up, give me a day, give me a half day, give me whatever you can do. Come on in and help. If you're saying, Larry, I'd love to, but I can't, then you know what? Give me some money. Donate. Go to LarryShop.com slash donate. Throw me a couple bucks. 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 100 bucks, all's good, right? If if some of you want to give me like 50 grand, I would love that, but you cannot. You're going to get me in trouble. Don't do that. <laughs> you can give me a maximum of 44 grand. So <laughs> that check you had and you were writing out the 50, scratch that check, put 44,000, we're good. I wish I was joking, but that actually is my maximum. That's how corrupt New York State is. Well, that's a you just gave everyone a nice discount right there. They were going to pay I 50, did. now it's going to be 44. I mean, look, you're already- $6,000 discount. You're already cutting costs. <laughs> You know, already. Already doing it. All right, Larry, thanks so much for your time today. Have a good one. Have a good one.